Episode 235 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the distinguished English actress and writer Jean Marsh, who co-created and starred in the classic TV series Upstairs, Downstairs. Her performance as Rose, winning her the 1975 Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. In 1991, Jean also co-created with Eileen Atkins the hit TV series House of Elliot, which was based on one of the four books she's written. Jean's screen acting credits include the films The Eagle Has Landed and Willow and TV's Doctor Who. One of many highlights of Jean's successful stage career was a revival of the play Boeing Boeing, in London's West End in 2007, which was when this interview took place. I began by asking Jean about lessons she'd learned from life over the years. What's the main sort of lesson you think you've learned from life? Don't try to please people. Okay. Where did that stem from? Is that what you used to do early in your career, do you feel? I think early on I tried, even before I started work, probably being the youngest in the family, I always felt the most ignorant, you know, like I, everybody, the others could cook, I couldn't, and, and then I went to dancing school and I wasn't a good dancer. I didn't want to be the best or anything, I just wanted to please people. I wanted a quiet life. Why isn't it right to please people then? Well, you shouldn't make your life into a lie to please somebody. You shouldn't pretend to be somebody you're not. Mm-hmm. I think when I was young... I realised what somebody wanted, um, what what they wanted me to be, so I would try to be that. And I didn't become really... I mean, I, don't, I think this is quite normal. I became more independent just as I grew older. Obviously, image and appearance is very important in your business. What's been your attitude to that now compared to years ago? Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't look uh, very good when I was young. I wasn't a... Uh, a pretty uh, young person. My sister was very, very pretty. And I just accepted that I wasn't pretty. And I was very surprised when people thought I was attractive in my teens and late teens. But by then the die was cast. But I, I don't think exactly how I looked meant as much to me right. as it does to us. It, and it actually isn't particularly relevant in this business. If you want to go on working forever, which I have done, I very rarely get cast because of my looks. I usually just get cast because I'm right for the part or I've done a good test or whatever. What's your attitude to work now? What have you learned from your attitude to work over the years? I like it more and more and I pay a lot of attention now to directors, which I perhaps didn't when I was younger. I can see the value of advice and my attitude to work is listen to what the director says and if he's wrong find it out by practice don't argue just do what he wants and then if it's wrong you'll know and then you can argue it do you tend to give advice more these days then not much no i mean in this business all actors are redirectors you know what i mean they they, you you think you know something but um i think a long time before i give anybody any advice Mm. um what have you learned from fame and money over the years? There's not much to learn from me, really, because I'm not very famous and I don't have a lot of money. I'm not Elizabeth Taylor. I'm not that famous. I'm just a bit well-known. I don't have any stocks and shares or anything. I, I think fame is useful, but too much fame could... I mean, I certainly don't want to be a celebrity because that impinges on your career. You can be t- too famous in the wrong way. All I really want to do is earn my living as an actress and a writer. But um, With regard to money, though, do you recommend saving or spending as if uh, tomorrow it may never come? Or how- uh, no, I think you should find out as you go along. I didn't start buying my own home until I was about 37, and I did it at the right time, mm-hmm. just by chance. I, I don't know anything about money. I don't know anything about investments. I didn't have um, any pension plans. Two or three times I put money into a pension when I had enough, but I didn't pay in every year. But I did buy my first cottage 
at the right time, at the bottom of a spiral, at the, in a year when things zoomed up, but that was just luck. So that really was, uh, gave me some kind of security. And once you've done that, once you've paid the mortgage, in a sense, you can always live fairly securely hmm. because you've got a roof over your head. What have you learned from friendships over the years? There are very few, very few real friendships. And um, a friendship, I think, is rather like a marriage. It often needs work and um, adjustment. And I think there, that's one of the main things I've learned in life is that there's a chance that sometimes I'm wrong. But do you think uh, relationships are a lot more shallow in show business, as people often suggest? No. Good God, no. Most of my friends are in show business, and I find they're kind of more very deep and um, careful. Mm. Even in Boeing, Boeing, it's a very close-bonded play. Um, we all care about each other, and I'm quite a lot older than the person next in line, and they all include me for any little jaunt out. We're going out. Do you want to come with us to the pub? We're going to the St. Albans. Do you want to come with us? I have no sense that I'm not welcome. And I always say, if I feel like going out, I'll say to the youngest or, or the oldest, do you want to come out? Mm. And there's a very um, a warm feeling. And this is a... Probably these friendships can't be carried on uh, when when we finish, but... If we saw each other again, we would always be pleased to see each other. I mean, I didn't keep up with everybody in upstairs, downstairs, but when they have the little reunion, you know, every sort of seven or ten years or something, we're all very fond and keen on seeing each other. What about relationships and marriage? What have you learnt over the years from that? Well, I've only been married once. I think you've got the same thing got to work at them, but you've also got to enjoy them. You can't just plod on thinking, oh, I've got to adjust or I've got to be careful. It's got to be interesting and good fun as well. But my marriage was such a long time ago. I was married when I was either 19 or 20, and it was over about a year and a half later. There was too big a difference in age, basically. And I was quite young from, for my age, and he was quite old for his age. He, he'd led the sort of life that perhaps I might have wanted to lead. Also, difference between, I mentioned when I was 17 or 18, difference between that and 21, you change a huge amount. Did you ever come close to marrying again? Oh, I think so, yeah. And what about children? What's been your attitude to children over the years, having children? I haven't had um, really an attitude because uh, I learnt but I couldn't have them, so uh, I just dealt with that fact. Hmm. Was that been difficult to deal with over the years? No, no, there was. There it was. You know. Hmm. Well, there's no regrets to have if you couldn't have them. Could right. You? No, fair enough. Yeah. What about outside of work and so on? Have you fulfilled a lot of ambitions in other ways? Um, one of my main aims in life has been to speak French. <laughs> I very nearly speak it. I mm -hmm. speak it quite well now. Mm -hmm. but, um, I hope I die being fluent. When every time I go to Paris, I pretend I'm French. <laughs> I even use the French translation of my name there, so it's quite fun. So, what started that uh, desire then to learn French? It's funny. I've always been a Francophile. Right. That was my first um, foreign country. I like French things. It's a sort of way of life, the things that people like, the acceptance of the arts by everybody. It's not peculiar to want to go to concerts. It's not peculiar to go to a, a gallery. It's not peculiar to spend all day buying three artichokes, four carrots, <laughs> you know, five chicken legs and making a soup. Just, I, li I like the way of life there. Do you have a home over there? No. I have a friend who's got an apartment, friends married couple and they're away a lot and uh, I can use it when I go. And apart from wanting to learn French, do you have any hobbies? I, I'm a very keen walker. Right. Very, very keen walker. I'm an, I like uh, walking, not so much in mountains, but hills. Um, and I 
it's my thinking time as well. And I'm um, absolutely crackers about classical music, so I go to concerts and the opera quite a lot. And it, if I have a regret, it's that I don't play an instrument. Which instrument would you like to have played? I think I would have played a piano, because mm-hmm. I think you're either a banger or a, or a plucker, or a, <laughs> that's the music I like to listen to more than anything, I think, um, the piano. And as you're probably best remembered from upstairs, downstairs, what's your, been your lesson from life on the class system? What do, you, what do you feel you've learned from that? Well, I think I've finally got... I've nearly got rid of the chip on my shoulder. I think I made uh, my working classness a bit of excuse for certain things. The chip used to be a baked potato, really. I think now it's just a pomalumet. <laughs> I don't see there's much fuss in me making uh, a big deal out of being real working class when mm. I'm no class now, you know, drifting around the middle, I suppose. In an interview I read with you, you said that you were very, very ambitious. Are you still ambitious? What's your attitude towards ambition now? What, what lesson have you learned from life about ambition? Well, I think it, I'm not too sure what ambition means. I think it's good to have an aim. I, I do, I want to work. And obviously I want to be good. I think my ambition is solving the problem. I like rehearsals and I like thinking, well, I haven't quite got it right. And this afternoon at the matinee, I solved a problem of a scene that I've never quite got right. I've got that sort of ambition of getting better. How important is the legacy that you leave, you know, hopefully in a very long time? that you leave this planet, where you're going to leave a tremendous amount of fantastic work behind. How important is that to you? I, uh, only if the work sets an example of it or, or is good. I don't mean that it has to be sort of about something pure, but I, I am pleased about Upstairs, Downstairs. I think that was good. And I've done a couple of plays that I think, well, if anybody saw them, I think that would be all right. I think when I write little articles I'm quite funny I like that could you please tell us a little bit about your parents were they from a sort of acting or writing uh, background my father was a sort of laborer at Autumn's Press right. he worked at night and my mother had been briefly a housemaid in a pub and then she was bright and good and she became um, a barmaid so basically my mother was a barmaid and my father was a uh, a laborer, and uh, the only reason that um, I am really in in the business is because they were both musical and both very keen on education. So I could read long before I went to school. I don't even remember the breakthrough. I was allowed to read whatever I liked. There was no censorship, so whatever books they had, I was allowed to read. So I was reading, without knowing it, very good books. I'd read, you know, the Bronte sisters around, you know, 10. And that was just normal. And my father played the piano by ear, but he liked what I call old European music, because that's what I like. Right. And we had very good records and a very funny big record player. Whereabouts in London were you born and brought up? I wasn't brought up in one particular place. I was born in Stoke Newington, and then we moved around a great deal. So we, we moved to Islington, Hackney, Highbury Hill. Um, I went to quite a few schools. I don't know why they moved. I don't think they did midnight flits, but they just seemed to move um, a lot. What sort of places did you live in? Were they really quite rough? Did you say you working class? And oh, yeah, well, working class. Um, I think when I was young, I mean, when I was born, they had two rooms, and um, it was quite a while before they ever had a a bathroom. I have one sister, and my mother's half-sister came to live with us when her mother died quite young. My mother's mother died in her 50s, right. and then her half-sister came to live with us, so there were, as it was, three daughters, really, and my present. The other four could all cook, and they couldn't be bothered to teach me, and it was hard for me to keep up with anything. That Everyone was very busy, but my mother worked for a living, and my father worked. They often had two jobs each. 
Did anybody say when you were very small that you had something about you that you was very special, star no. quality or anything? No, no, no. My sister and I started going to dancing school. That was really to do with my parents liking music, and so they liked ballet music. And a couple of times we, we went to the ballet, so we went to dancing school. It was a way of getting out of your class in those days. What was your sister's name and what, uh, what did she go on to do? She, she was um, a much more successful actress and singer and dancer than I was when she was young. Her name is Yvonne Marsh. And my mother, may right. I say, is still alive right. and she's 100. Goodness, fantastic. Yeah. Now, I, I read that um, you had a, an illness as a child. That well, that was of one of the reasons that we went to um, dancing school. Is At the time, I stopped walking. I would fall over or I'd, I just wouldn't walk. And it was thought that because of the war, perhaps, it was a sort of, let's say, hysterical. A reaction. Yeah, a reaction. Right. But there's a chance now, I've, I've had problems with my back, that um, somebody said there's a chance that I had a very, very mild dose of polio. Mm. And that explains why some of my bones aren't great. So I don't, I, I don't know, but that, that's what that was. And oh. I, that's why, partly why we went to dancing school. Were you a very promising dancer? Were no, you... not at all. My sister was wonderful. I only scraped by. I passed all the major exams for the Royal Ballet, grade one, two, three, four, five, and elementary, I think. But out of 100, pass mark was 65, and honours was 80. And I don't think I ever got more than 66, and my oh. sister never got less than 80, so there was quite a difference between us. And did you work as a model? Randomly, some, so not anything very grand. I, I remember doing a shoot with the famous model Barbara Golan, and I did work on the catwalk in Germany for somebody once, but it wasn't anything I could have done because I wasn't interested in it. So what were you interested in doing? Did you want to be a dancer? I want, no, no, I wanted to go on the stage. I wanted to be an actress. From what age? I think seven or eight, something like that. And anything in particular sparked that off? I think it. I think it was going to the uh, to ballet school, and I think it was having the mime lessons. <coughs> I don't know. I we didn't really go to the theatre. I shouldn't think until I was in my teens, and certainly I was already working then. Anyway, hmm. what was your first job then? I did funny things as a, a, a tiny girl, but yeah. my first proper job uh, was in a Christmas show at the Duke of York Theatre called The Land of the Christmas Stocking. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but I was either 12 or 13, and I played Mary Mary Quite Contrary, <laughs> which my mother always said was very apt. Oh, and you went to America very early on, didn't you? I, w I went to America when I was 22, I think, and um, I stayed there for about two and a half Yes, I liked New York very much, and I worked a lot there. What had taken you there? Was it the dream of acting over there? Well, I'd, I knew that I could get work there. There was talk about some work there, and in those days it was much easier to go. You know. mm. And didn't you work with Sir John Gielgud? I did, uh, I did an audition, yes, for Much Do About Nothing, and I got it, and I played Hero, and he was directing it, and he was starring in it. Any nice story about Sir John? Um, he, he was quite funny to work with. He would direct you on the stage while he was playing Benedict. He would sort of point to me and move me to the left so that I would be more in the light. Oh. <laughs> like that, which is quite sweet. <laughs> um, in spite of his funny odd reputation, he really was an extremely nice and helpful man. Oh, that's nice. Mm. And uh, were you quite in awe? Did you sort of get autographs at that stage and so on? No, or, no, I no. never got autographs. No. I, I, I always knew that you shouldn't. It's bad enough when, mm. um, you know, if the actor has to, you know, d deal with all that. It's not, it's not done mm. for somebody in the business to do it. <laughs> so was, it was it a big deal to be in the twilight zone? Uh, yeah, well, it was, although I didn't know how big a deal it would turn out to be. Yes. I, did, I think I did about seven auditions for it. Mm. And the final thing, I thought, I mean, how many more times do I have to come back? And he said, we're going to risk it. 
the, uh, the producer director said we're going to risk it. And I thought, well, that doesn't give me much confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hope to stay in America and become a big Hollywood star? Or was no, it... no, I wouldn't have wanted that. No, I didn't. I wasn't even particularly interested in films. No, I was there, and I think you really always make your career in your own country. Hmm. Because you came back to London, were you kind of reluctant to come back or, you know, wanted no. to get stuck in to the British scene? Um, I, I think it had worked very well and it was just time to come home. Mm. So, I mean, I wasn't ever going to not go back anyway, but I, I still think it today, it's, you make a better career if you're established in your own country. You've uh, been in Doctor Who many times, and you were in it early on in 1963, I think it was. How different was working on Doctor Who then to more recently? Well, actually, it was... The last one I did uh, was the best one. I did the first four episodes of the last series of that era. Yeah. And that was the best. It was the best written... It was uh, funny. It was just taken more seriously. So, although I had huge fun... Um, because it is a, quite an extraordinary series to be in. Nevertheless, I enjoyed it more for the actual work. And is it fair to ask you who your favourite Doctor Who has been over the years? I've only had two Doctor Whos. Right. So that was William Hartnell and Sylvester McCoy. Mm-hmm. And as they're so different, it's, I'm quite safe in saying I like them both. And I, I, I've never actually seen Doctor Who at all. Oh. So um, I haven't got a favourite... Have you been sort of plagued by Doctor Who fans, though, over the years? Because they are a bit eccentric. Last year, I won Hall of Fame Cult Actress of the Year. And I said to the people, why? I don't think I'm a cult any more than I'm an icon. And then they listed off all the things that have become cultish. And Doctor Who is one of them, certainly. Hmm. Twilight Zone, some of my witch films some of the children's things I've done, and I didn't know they'd become, you know, cult things. I was quite surprised. Because over, over the years, you've played a lot of quite evil characters, and yet mm, you, you're obviously yeah. a lovely lady, so why do you think they keep casting you in evil parts? Well, I did ask a, a director once, and he said, it's because you're surprising. He said, you've got quite um, a sweet face. You know, you look maybe not nice, but you look sort of, just, you've got clean cut symmetrical bone structure which is useful but he said you have quite a sweet face but he said so it's quite surprising when you can be witch-like hmm. it's unexpected when you do something horrible it's unexpected did you ever turn down any parts that became huge for somebody else and then think damn should have got that one i don't know maybe i don't know i don't i don't i don't regret i don't regret anything there's quite a few television series I've turned down, but yeah. um, but I wouldn't tell you what they are because it's not fair on the people who did them. Um, but I've never regretted it. No. There's so many actors and actresses out there who who, who don't work, and uh, I often think, why don't they just write something? And of course, you did um, yeah. with upstairs, downstairs. Well, especially. I didn't write each episode. I, I, I just no. co-created it with Eileen. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I, I mean, more writing were my novels. You know, I've had three novels published and I've done some journalism stuff. Can you just explain where the idea for Upstairs, Downstairs come from? Did you suddenly come to it in, in a dream in the night and ring Eileen Atkins up and say, how about this great idea I've got? No, we just, we sat together, usually in her kitchen. Why, were you best buddies? Yeah, and um, we just talked about thinking up an idea and we didn't, didn't know if it would be a film or a play, you know, whatever. And it basically came from Eileen looking at old photographs in her family. And there was a photograph of people standing by a horse-drawn bus. And they were clearly in service. They were clearly servants. And Eileen thought that it might have been the servants' outing. Right. And then we thought, well, come on, we both have had servants in our family and we're both working class. Why don't we stick to something that would be easy to find out about? And as we both had chips on our shoulders, then we, what we thought was, and it was slightly a reaction against uh, that Galsworthy series that was redone recently. Foresight Saga. Foresight Saga. Yeah. We, we saw a bit of that and we thought, well, who washed those clothes? Who yeah. 
who gutted the chicken, who brought in the coal. So we really wanted to write something that was about servants, and I do remember one of these sentences that we wrote down as a guide to us in the beginning, that none of them should be comic cuts, mm. that they should all have lives and values just like the upstairs people did. Why did you want to do the writing, though? Because didn't you just consider yourself an actress? Was it kind of frowned upon for women to be trying to write at the, that stage? Well, we, we write in different ways. That, that, as I say, that, that was something of uh, creating something. And then after it was sold and, and work started on it, there were 14 different writers. But we've both written different things, mean novels, and Eileen has adapted books. She's adapted mm. um, the letters of Virginia Woolf and Vita Sackville-West yep. as a play, and she adapted a Virginia Woolf play, Mrs. Dalloway, as a film. So we, do, we work in slightly different ways, but um, we thought we could do it. Did Eileen regret not acting in Upstairs, Downstairs? No, no. She'd thought about doing it, and, and we'd both thought that we would play the two servants. And then when it happened, not only was she working, but I think she, she quite seriously thought that she didn't want to be trapped. Mm. I mean, well, we didn't know that it would be trapping because, after all, everyone was only signed up for um, one season. But she just didn't want to be in a series. What was your favourite episode of Upstairs, Downstairs, and why? Um, I think my favourite one, I'm afraid, is because I had a very good part in it. Um, there were two episodes that featured me and Simon Williams. And I was engaged to Keith Barron, and he was killed in the First World War. And that was a wonderful episode when I got the news about that, beautifully written. And then following on that episode, there was a fabulous episode when I had inherited money from a sheep station that belonged to my fiancé, my Australian fiancé. And if, I don't suppose it was a lot, but it was a huge amount to Rose. And Master James persuaded her, persuaded Rose, to let him invest the money. And then the crash happened and she lost all the money. Mm. And that, those were very beautifully written episodes and marvellous for me. And what's the most memorable, amusing moment that happened during the filming of it? Um, well, I don't know. There were quite a lot because I used to be very short-sighted. I've only been able to see for about... 10 months I've had implants oh, okay. um, so I, it always made me laugh when people had to use a long pole to prod me to go on or <laughs> wave a huge flag so it was difficult to go on and I might be thinking I was laughing <laughs> and then there was a very funny scene with um, Christopher Beanie when I I just don't hit people I'm not a violent person and I had to slap his face and I wouldn't do it at rehearsals <laughs> and then when we were actually filming I slapped his face and walked off, hmm. and then I rushed back and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, are you all right? But the scene was still going on, so because I was so stupid, I had to slap him again. <laughs> I have a huge crush on Nicola Paget, but unfortunately she doesn't seem to want to be involved with Upstairs, Downstairs anymore. What's happened there? Um, I think she just likes her private life, you know. Hmm. It's, it, it, it's something that does go on and on. If, if I hadn't... If it wasn't my baby, I wouldn't do all the interviews and things that I do now because I think you want to go on. You, you want to go on with the rest of your career. Yeah. Has it been a bit of a millstone round your neck, though? Could Not you... really, because I've never been typecast. Yeah. But what I'm doing now, the maid, well, at least she's a French maid, <laughs> the first maid I've done since Rose. So it, it, has, it didn't typecast me, and it certainly pushed me up a ladder and it was regarded quite seriously throughout the world so um, uh, but my career was treated with a, a certain amount without I don't want to sound pompous but I was treated with a certain amount of respect yeah I should say and uh, what about rumors of this upstairs downstairs movie well um, it's in the channel so you, you never know if it'll happen so how has this idea come about then? Well, oh, we've, we've often had people say they want to do movies. They, the 
most wonderful thing was it nearly was an American musical written by Burton Lane and Sheldon Harnick, which would right. have been you know, sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, no, loads of things happen, and either none of us approve of it, or it just doesn't happen or falls through. Most work falls through. Mm. Most films fall through. I was amused to see that you actually appeared in The Waltons in America, another fantastic TV series. Yes, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a cult as well. Yes. Well, I was working in the theatre in California in a very serious, very, very good theatre called the Mark Taper Book Forum in Los Angeles. And you were, because it was art, you were getting artist, an artistic fee. And I was pretty broke, so I did The Waltons. I said I would do The Waltons without having seen it. And then I saw it, and I thought, oh, it's lovely, sweet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I did an application for Walton. And you've been in so many distinguished, fantastic TV series and films over the years. What are you most proud of, apart from ones that you've, you've created, like Upstairs, Downstairs, and House of Elliot? I think I'm more proud of stuff I've done in the theatre. I played Viola in Twelfth Night in America, in Boston and Chicago and everything. I was able to do that because of Upstairs, Downstairs. So I, I went, as it were, on the road in Shakespeare hmm. and in a Shaw play, and that wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have gone on the road if I hadn't been in it and I hadn't been in Upstairs, Downstairs. So I was very proud of that. When people see you in the street or when they have over the years, what have they tended to, to ask you or say to you or shout at you? Well, um, a little while ago, I was in Berlin and someone shouted, Röslein, Schauspielerin! And I said, yeah, ich bin ein Schauspielerin, ich bin Röslein. That was quite funny. You'll have to translate that for me, I didn't I miss oh, that. Oh, uh, yes, uh, a Schauspielerin is an actress. Right. Uh, a Schauspielhaus is a theatre. Okay. Since a couple, an American couple, waited at the stage door of Boeing Boeing the other night, and they said they'd been in Spain and they'd seen an English newspaper and they'd seen that I was in Boeing Boeing and the last time they'd seen me in the theatre was in Twelfth Night in Boston. Gosh. And so they came over to see me in Boeing Boeing. I did think, wow, that's something. Yeah. How many countries did Upstairs Downstairs get sold to then? Well, I don't don't know exactly, but over 70. Because you said earlier you're not a wealthy woman, but, I mean, people assume that you've made an absolute killing from that series, I'd have thought, and House of Elliot. Uh, well, no, you know, it depends what you get paid originally. It's 36 or 7 years ago that I created it, or hmm. we created it, and the money you got paid then was half a peanut. So, um, But for those days it must have been quite a lot of money. No, no, it wasn't. Really? It, was, it, was, it wasn't a very big budget thing. Even the, I mean, I thought the costume woman did, was a genius. She made yeah. beautiful costumes and her budget was very, very small. Mm. It was a very large cast. That's one of the reasons we don't get very big residuals. Why weren't you in House of Elliot? We just didn't want to. We wanted it to be something of its own, you know. Right. Because you've created so many fantastic actors, you've made their careers. Have you often had people coming up and asking you for parts to write for them and stuff? <laughs> yeah, actors always talk, talk to you and say, couldn't you think up something for me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that often happens. Yeah. That's very nice, yeah. As regards House of Elliot, you're listed as one of the writers as well as the creators, isn't that right? No, I wrote the book, I wrote the novel. Okay. But we didn't, Eileen uh, and I co-created it and then like with Upstairs Downstairs I mean we had some input into it obviously but but I I wrote the novel and what are the other novels you've written because you said you've written three yes well the first one was uh, The House of Elliot Uh, the second one was called Finders Keepers that's F-I-E double N-D-E-R-S Finders Keepers and the third one was called Iris okay and they're all published by Macmillan which decade were they published the 90s, sometime in the 90s. All three of them in the 90s? Yeah. Okay. Pretty sure, yeah. And you haven't written an autobiography yet? Not yet. I won't be. Really? No, definitely not, no. Why not? Uh, you're usually writing about other people and not about yourself, and memories are different. Um, well, I'm just not interested. 
If they do go ahead with this movie of Upstairs, Downstairs, will you want to be in it? I, I don't know if I want to be. It'll, it'll, we're, we'll sort of just work along with everybody, and if there's a part that I like, or if we create a part that would be fun for me to do, or just a funny little appearance, but uh, that'll depend on the producers and the director and everything, you know. I wouldn't impose myself. Hmm. Have you and Eileen ever written any other big series that perhaps haven't come to fruition? Or have you just got lucky both times, as it were? <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been involved in other things that we've dropped out of because we didn't think it was going to go in the right area. We've worked together and nothing's happened. Um, no, <laughs> I love the thought that... Um, it's a 100% success rate now. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still working on things with her? Well, we're both working very hard at the moment anyway, because I do eight shows a week. You know, I did five hours on the stage yesterday, five hours tomorrow, two and a half hours tonight. Yeah. She's about to start rehearsals. I was rec recording a Jane Austen that comes out in January. She's in Cranford, which is on at the moment. So we both have been quite busy. Mm-hmm. You've obviously worked with some very distinguished people over the years. Who've been your favourites? Who have you been most thrilled to work with? The first huge thrill was working with John Gielgud. Yep. Because I admired him, and then also because he was so important. I had admiration for him and Ralph uh, Richardson and Laurence Olivier because they sacrificed quite a lot to get, as it were, the old Vic, and which became the National Theatre going. So then I was also very thrilled to work with Laurence Olivier. That was wonderful. I, I, I played his Tahitian mistress in the television of The Moon and Sixpence. I did like working with him. My sense of working with him was that if you just listen to him, you'll react mm -hmm. properly, whereas you'd understand and act with him. I do have a funny story, though, about Ralph Richardson working with him. Yes, please. Uh, I was in a very big one-off television. I think it was called Man of the World, with him and uh, Kenneth Moore. Mm -hmm. And we rehearsed somewhere in the Brompton Road, not far from uh, the Brompton Oratory. And opposite the Brompton Oratory, there was a very famous restaurant called the Brompton Grill. Right. And I was a bit thin at the time, and I was also working in rep at Nottingham Playhouse. Mm -hmm. And both Kenneth Moore and Ralph Richardson took it into their heads that I should be fed properly each day. <laughs> so when I was fed by Kenneth Moore, I was allowed to eat whatever I liked, and that was okay. <laughs> but Ralph Richardson wanted me to have oysters and then steak. <laughs> she thought that would be good for me, and it was... I, I was allergic to oysters. Oh. So that, that that was very hard. And so I sort of push them around and hide them and give them to somebody else at the table. I'd eat the steak and that was fine. And then he was absolutely enchanting when he suddenly realized, because he could see I was a greedy girl. I do, I do like eating. He said, you're, you're not being generous with those oysters. You just don't want them, do you? He said, that makes me feel rather old, that so you haven't got the nerve to tell me you don't want oh. them. <laughs> <laughs> and have you ever had a crush on anyone you've worked with? Has anyone made you go weak at the knees? Well, you'd, you'd think I would have. I actually worked with Richard Gere before he was the, a film star on Broadway. Right. He, he was one of the actors in the Alan Bennett play, Habeas Corpus, that mm -hmm. I was in. And I had no idea that he would be a film star and that everybody I've ever known goes weak at the knees at the thought of it. And I said, well, no, I thought he was a good actor, but um, no, I can't think of anyone who... Musicians are more likely to make me go uh, weak at the knees. I just understand that because I understand yeah. the process. Any memories of meeting royal family at all? I've been presented to, I think, everybody at Do's. And the person I remember most of all, I think, was the Princess Royal, because she certainly isn't photogenic, because she was absolutely wonderful-looking. She looked like a fairy princess. She was beautifully dressed mm -hmm. in a white dress that had just sort of 
sparkling <coughs> things on, and she had beautiful manners. She had done a lot of homework, and she was able to speak to everybody, you know, with great sincerity. So I quite often find the royals not what you expect them to be. I met Edward and Sophie, but that was more <coughs> privately, and they were, she was absolutely drop-dead beautiful. Yeah. And he was so charming and funny, and I forgot, you know, that they were royals, and the antagonism that they got from the press was bewildering. Mm. And do you find the etiquette side of it uh, difficult to adhere to, or does that come naturally? Uh, if I'm not going to do what's expected of me, I wouldn't go. So that's that. That's my feeling about everything. If you, if you can't do what is expected, you just don't go. Nobody cares. How would you feel about being Dame Jean one day? As it's so unlikely, I don't have to worry about it. Why is it unlikely? I like you have to be somebody like you know in the classical theatre uh, a great deal. I I don't have anything. I don't have um, any B B E's or whatever they're called. D B E's. Will be you you. I hope you know that I wrote a rap for all the D B E's to do. I think it was at the beginning of this year at the Haymarket. How do you mean? Well, I I write funny songs privately. Right. and um, rude songs and <coughs> lyrics and things. And Eileen was going to be in something with Judy Dench, Helen Mirren, Diana Rigg, Joan Plowright. And they were talking about what they were going to do. And she said, I think I'll ask Jean to write something more fun. <coughs> so I wrote a rap for really? them. <laughs> she said, a little bit rude. And they were fabulous. They, they all did it. I, I can't do it for you because it, it's a bit, let me think, we the dames, we the bitches, we done gone from rep to riches. We strutted our stuff at the RSC, the National Theatre and the BBC. <laughs> then they each had a little one of their own. Oh, I'd like to see Jane Judy Dench uh, singing rap music. That'd be fantastic. Did she have they a baseball? They were all fabulous. They all yeah. did their stuff stuff and they they rehearsed and you could see why they're as successful as they are they don't do anything without doing it properly yeah. i was thrilled it stopped the show so you into rap music then not i i, I like all music yeah. I, I mainly i only listen to at home classical music and i don't go to gigs but i think Absolutely all music has its value, mm. and I'm not one of those people who sneers at um, rock. So you don't feel overlooked on the dame department then? No, um, I, I mean, I don't see why I should have it. <laughs> My postman is always saying, oh, you haven't got it again, and I say, I won't get it. <laughs> well, Eileen Atkins has got one. Yeah, but that's different. She's in a different department. I oh, mean, I don't know. She's been at the RSC, the National. And do you have much memorabilia of your career in, in your homes? None. Right. Absolutely none. The only thing that's ever out anywhere is a cartoon, very pretty drawing that was done of me in America and used as the poster all over America. It was on buses, full page in the New Yorker and so on. And it's a really wonderful thing of me as Rose. And it's just a few lines, and it's so accurate. And they gave me the original. It was created by um, Mobile Oil because they were the sponsors, and they gave it to me at the end. And that's the only thing that sits out anywhere. Is it true you have never watched the whole of Upstairs Downstairs? No, I, 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 there are things I've missed. You see, when it came out, I was out having a good time. Hmm. I might have seen them all by now because I've had to watch so often to, to do DVDs and things like that. Um, I, I might by now have seen them all. Hmm. Now, on um, Boeing, Boeing, uh, the press release, it says that the curtain call was devised by Bruno Tonioli, who's one of the judges on Strictly Come Dancing. 
I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently that's what it says on the press release. Anyway, I just wondered if you'd met him and uh, if you might be going in for that uh, dance programme at some stage. No, no, no. No, uh, I, I do my own little dance at the end. I'm, I get the final curtain call and everybody's on stage and it's a great curtain call. Great yeah. curtain call. Music and the audience always loves to play. And I come on last dressed as this French maid and I, I do a, a groovy little sort of movement to the, um, the footlights, as it were, and I bow. But he didn't have anything to do with that. No, I, I think the person who plays Bertha always does their own. Oh, OK. Because we don't do it with anybody else. What do you think of reality TV and things like Strictly Come Dancing and I'm a Celebrity and so on? I, I've never seen them, I don't know. Really? I don't know anything about them. I, I can pretty much tell that I wouldn't be particularly interested, so hmm. I don't know. Um, I'm not against anything. I mean, if, if you disapprove of something, just don't watch. Hmm. If something's published, a book is published that you think is disgusting, don't read it. Has anything ever been written about you that you've been really upset about, like a review or something like that? Um, not so much a review. I think that you, you, you appear in something you've got to expect that somebody might not like you. I've had things written about me that aren't true, and I've been pissed off. To what extent do you feel you've been given the, the credit that you deserve? Oh, I've, I've had lots of credit. and I mean, the big thing is I've had lots of nice things written about me. Hmm. Whenever anybody stops me in the street or on the bus and says, oh, I'm so sorry, you think, oh, God, I'm so pleased you watched. I've never been stopped by anybody who then says something awful. They just stop you and say something nice. I think the funniest thing that's ever happened to me happened to me recently. Um, I was out running for the bus and um, an American man stopped me and he had a camera and he said, Excuse me, ma'am. And I smiled for his camera. I'm so conceited. And he said, may I photograph your shoes? Really? I said, um, sure. So <laughs> I lifted up my trousers a bit. So, so he said, turn your left foot to the right, please. And photograph them. And I said, well, that's a fast. I said, why did you want them? Are you a fetishist or something? And he said, no, I'm a shoe designer. Really? <laughs> he just liked my shoes. Were you wearing your best Jimmy Choo shoes then? No, I don't wear shoes like that. These were... I'd forgotten how cute they were. They were flat shoes. They were almost sneakers, but much better than that made in Italy. And yes. very cute, you know, yes. very unusual. And I, I'd forgotten they were unusual. Did you actually explain to him then who you were, or did he find no. out? No, 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 I didn't say anything. And he just said thank you and went on his way. Good so good. he will never know that they were Jean Marsh's shoes. <laughs> and I think he must just walk around not seeing people and just looking at people's feet. <laughs> How much do you get in the way of fan mail these days? Quite a lot. I get a lot at the theatre and I get a lot, you know, that goes via either equity or my agent or whatever. Hmm. What's been the most memorable bit of fan mail or gift that's been sent to you by a fan over the years? Uh, well, a fan arrived at my agent's office one day looking very odd in a raincoat buttoned up incorrectly and he said he wanted to give me a present mm. and it was um, a bag of dirty five pound notes Really? and my agent wouldn't take them. How long ago was that? In the last ten years, I think. Did he feel you you were a bit short of cash or something? Don't know. That's very don't, don't know. So he was sent on his way? He was sent on his way by my agent, yeah. And did he leave the money or did he take it with him? Oh, no, he, had to, he took the money. Oh. Um, no, my agent wasn't going to. It's too complicated, things like that. You, yeah. You just can't. Have you had any stalkers over the years? Years and years ago when I was married, um, my husband uh, told the police and I, I was watched for a while, but um, not since then. I've, been, I've had all the usual things of being threatened really? um, with murder, you know. Why were you threatened with murder? 
well. It's, it's usually people who are not well, you know. Sure, but why you, though? What, what had been their excuse on that occasion? It was during the upstairs-downstairs time, and um, they didn't give a reason. They just kept sending me letters saying, by right, you should have a knife stuck in your back. So I kept the letters just in case I did have a knife stuck in my back. But, lo, I wasn't. You still got them? No, no, no. <laughs> I keep things that are slightly worrying for a while, and then when nothing worrying happens, you chuck it away. How friendly are you still with the likes of Leslie Ann Down and Louise Lombard and all these people you've helped to make stars? No, I, d I, don't, I don't know everybody. If I see them, it's lovely to see them. But hmm. I've worked with Stella Gonet in something, Murder Mystery, which is lovely. We, get, we got on, like, a house on fire. And I see Christopher Beanie sometimes. Oh, lovely, yeah. And I know uh, Simon Williams because we used to live near each other. I think that's about all, because you, you never take everybody with you. You know, it's not that you don't like them, but hmm. uh, you can't keep everybody as friends, you know. So when's this um, upstairs reunion? Isn't there supposed to be one for ITV's anniversary or something? We've done them. In the last two or three years, we've done about six. And then we did the BAFTA reunion, which was the Sunday before last. That was the last one, yeah. And do you get quite emotional? Are those no, okay? don't get emotional at all. And is there any of them you don't want to see again? <laughs> no, a lot of them are gone anyway. Yeah, that's very sad. No, no, I've, I've hardly ever worked with people that I didn't get on with, you know. You, you just act better if you get on with people. You can always find a way around any awkwardness. You mentioned Olivier earlier. People say he's the greatest actor ever. Who is, in your opinion? Well, it changes. You know, I loved all three of them. I loved Ralph, John, and Larry, and they were all different. And then in today's generation, I did Hamlet with David Threlfall, and I think he's a brilliant actor. Mm -hmm. um, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen was him in Someone to Watch Over Me. I don't know if you read about it. A couple of years ago, it was about three men captured for years and he was brilliant in that. Mm -hmm. There's always people coming along, and and he's in Shameless, which is totally different. Yeah. I like his work because he changes mm -hmm. tremendously, so I'm a great admirer of his. Hmm. And after you've left this planet, how would you like people to remember you? Oh, I don't suppose they will, really. Funny. I like making people laugh. I like... My favorite thing to do is to go out to dinner not too many people, let's just say four of us, mm. and have a nice chat, and I make people laugh. 